1: SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And welcome everybody into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Uh, Brian Stone, Georgia Southern writer for Underdog Dynasty, joined again this week by Georgia State writer for the site, Zeke Palermo. Uh, Zeke,, uh, we had some uh, some unexpected outcomes in some of the games that that happened this week. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean I'm I'm excited to get right into it.
0: Yeah, no uh no game really sticks out is super super cool, so I'm uh you know we're unexpected, so I'm glad that we get a chance to talk about them all.
1: Yeah, so let's start off with last Wednesday's game. This was your uh, coverage here. Uh, Georgia State took on App State, uh, and you know it, this one was interesting because Georgia State did jump out to a fourteen nothing lead, and then got outscored forty two to three the rest of the way. Uh, you know App State's brushing attack was the the big key in this one. Uh, neither team threw the ball very effectively. Uh, but you know, when you're app state and you're running for 400 yards in a game, you don't really have to.
0: Yeah. I don't think Georgia state was, um, ever like seriously, seriously considered, um, to win this game, even when they were up two scores. Uh, I think there was always that thought in the back of the head, like, ah, App state's going to come around and, uh, perform. And I think, I mean, that's ended up, that is what ended up happening, um, Obviously, Darren Granger had a, a very poor game, an uncharacteristically poor game. I mean, he's not a great, he's not an elite passer, but he'll he'll do better than nine for 23. And I think that's what bit uh, the Panthers in the butt this week. I mean, they ran the ball pretty well, over five yards a carry. Um, but the biggest thing was that Granger wasn't passing the ball well. And as good as a runner he is, um, this team is at their best when he is not their leading rusher. Uh, Tucker Greg came in second with eleven carries, but Granger had nineteen. And uh, I mean, this is true for any football team when your quarterback is the one leading the way in terms of carries, uh, you're you're just not really playing an efficient uh offensive style. Um, so even though it took App State five drives before they actually um uh, before they actually got into the end zone. It took them five drives to score their first points, but then they scored on their uh on five straight scores in the second half. So, I don't know. It just uh exemplified Georgia State's reliance on Granger's ability to pass the ball well, uh, and a reliance on their actual running backs. And I think it also exemplified App State's very uh in-game Jekyll and Hyde performances.
1: Yeah. So I'll get to. I, I have a couple of questions for you, Zeke, because you yeah. watched this one uh, closer than I did. Um, on the Georgia state side of things, I have a question. Why do you think that Tucker Craig only got 11 carries when, I mean, the guy almost ran for a hundred yards and was averaging eight and a half a carry and had a touchdown. Why do you think they sort of went away from him?
0: Uh, I, I really don't think it was a by design thing. I don't think they went into this week or at halftime came back and said, we need to get Tucker less touches. Uh, I really do think that's just kind of how it developed. A lot of the Granger-Greg rushes come off of read option or, you know, those mesh plays where you're making a decision. And uh, I think Granger ended up keeping the ball a little more than he would have liked to um, in retrospect. So I don't think it was a matter of, uh, hey, we're going to run the ball less with Tucker than we usually do. Uh, It was just uh, that's how the game ended up playing out. Um, just because of the types of runs, uh, type of rushing plays they use.
1: Okay. Um, so on the App State side of things, uh, Cameron Peoples was really what sort of anchored that entire uh, rushing attack. He ran for 168 on 23 carries, had two touchdowns. Um, like I said, really really was what paced the Mountaineers' entire offense. I have a question for you as far as Chase Bryce goes. He's 7 of 17 for 62 yards. This is obviously statistically probably his worst performance in his App State career. I can't recall him throwing for less than 70 yards in a game before. Do you think that this was just a byproduct of them saying, hey, we don't need to throw the football at all? Or was was Bryce
0: just, was he off in this one? Uh, We've talked about this before. Chase Bryce is a really, really good quarterback, but he has every now and then those really weird games. I'm reminded of uh, the game against James Madison, right, where he was just looking kind of shaky. So I don't think Bryce uh, was passing really poorly. Um, And obviously, App State ran the ball 64 times. I think they were going to run the ball 50-plus times regardless, and Bryce's... uh, I don't want to call it an ineptitude because he wasn't, you know, tech God awful, but his less than his norm. Just encouraged them to run the ball more than usual.
1: All right. Well, App State's all-time winning streak over Georgia State, I believe, extends to nine straight years. Uh, Georgia State has yet to see a win over the Mountaineers since App has moved up to Sunbelt play. App moves to four and three this season, two and two in Sunbelt play. Georgia State... Drops to two and five and one and two in the Sun Belt. Uh, Zeke, talking about one of the more surprising results of this past week, Thursday night, Troy goes into Mobile uh, and takes on and defeats South Alabama 10 to six in a game where the, I mean, to be quite honest, these two teams couldn't buy points. I mean, Troy couldn't couldn't really throw the ball with Dagee and Watson at quarterback, uh, you know, splitting some time. Uh, South Alabama, Carter Bradley played okay, but they couldn't run the ball a lick. Um, Troy ends up coming away with this one in what was surprisingly just an absolutely ugly offensive game for both teams. But we thought South Alabama was gonna be, you know, the the next heir apparent, uh, in the West, and in reality, it's Troy playing smothering defense. But I just, I just still have doubts that this defense is going to keep these these games this low scoring every every week. You know what I mean? Like this just doesn't. Troy's defense is really good, and I acknowledge that. But it, the holding a team to ten, six points just doesn't feel like it's going to happen every single week. So, you know, you saw it when they lost to App, albeit on a Hail Mary, but they're not going to hold teams to less than two touchdowns every single week. So this was a good win for Troy, but their offense is just is going to be their the death of them, essentially.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talked about it last week with this whatever's going on at quarterback. But um, from USA's side, what really stood out to me was LaDamian Webb's numbers. Uh, He's kind of been the, I don't want to call him the focal back, but he's been one of, if not the primary ball carrier for the um, Jaguars all year. Um, If we look at back to the Louisiana game, when USA uh, beat Louisiana and we started thinking, oh my goodness, maybe USA is the new top dog. Webb was touching the ball 22 times a game at that point. He carried the ball 22 times. They get a bye week and then against ULM and, uh, and Troy, uh, Webb's seen nine carries total over the past two weeks. And that has left just an excess of carries to be taken over with no one in that offense able to do anything with them. Um, and I, I think that's just, uh, I don't think it, you know, if Webb is seeing a normal amount of touches is USA going to end up beating Troy, but, um, Uh, that that's what really stood out to me is like all of a sudden they've one of their best running backs is a non-factor in the offense. And there's no injury that I was able to find or any note of what's going on there.
1: Well, the other weird thing too, is like in a game that was never, I mean, let me click back to the scoring log. It was never out of, out of a one score range for either team. So for South Alabama to just run the ball 21 times and throw it 41 times seems or 40 times rather seems excessive. Like Mm -hmm. it seems like you could get a little bit of better balance in there. I mean, I understand they weren't, you know, exactly app state last week running for 400 plus, but to only to only have twenty one official carries in the books, and some of those were Carter Bradley. You know the ESPN factors in those sacks or lost yards on runs. But I mean, you had four for Omni Wells, you had eight for LeDamian Webb, like you said, and you had two for Marco Lee. I mean, again, I know Troy's defense is is good, but you got to throw something else at him rather than just throwing the ball forty one times. And just hoping, I mean, clearly they threw for 224 yards on 40 attempts. Clearly the passing game wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I think that whoever, I don't know the South Alabama OC's name. I feel like he kind of played himself on this one because this was a game where if it's constantly a one possession, low scoring game like this, you got to come, you got to be more creative than what they got. You know, especially if you're going to state, like I said, stake your claim in the West as being the the best team. But Troy, uh, you know, not a lot of offense from either side. I think both teams combined for like 260 yards of offense each, which I don't remember seeing a number that low in a conference game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, DK Billingsley scored the lone touchdown in the game on 86 yards, 19 carries, one touchdown. Um, the longest run by either team in this game was 16 yards. Uh, this was just a, a a real defensive slugfest, but like I said, I, I, I expected better out of South Alabama also considering how bad Troy's offense has been as of late. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, with that, Troy improves to six and two and four and one in conference play and takes the first place. Standing in the West, South Alabama drops to five and two and then two and one in Sunbelt play. Uh, so let's get to Saturday. Um, I'm starting with the, the first game listed on ESPN.com here. Uh, Army defeated UL Monroe, doubled him up by a score of 48-24. Zeke, I'm going to be honest. At halftime, this game was 17-14. to Army... Uh, uh no, ULM. Sorry, and I thought ULM. I was like, oh, here it comes. They're gonna, they're gonna cruise, and then they just died in the second yeah. half. I mean, yeah. they got outscored uh, thirty-one to seven in the second half alone to a team that runs the triple option. So it's not as if I mean these aren't like quick strike drives. Like I'm looking at. These are some of the Army drives, five minutes, five minutes. There's a two-minute drive in here, but then it's five minutes, one minute and 13 seconds. And then there's one long run right at the end of the game. I guess ULM had kind of given up by this point, but it was a 64-yard touchdown that just put a stamp on it for the Black Knights. But, yeah, I mean, just a weird performance by ULM. They they seemed like they had kind of been coming along as of late, and then they just completely – fold like a cheap suit in the second half of this game
0: yeah i mean i think what happened there in the they started the second half army was receiving the kick and they they had a big return um to their own 45 so that just off rip gives them really really good field position right um so they get a field goal on their first drive of the half tie ball game and then on the second play of the ensuing uh of the ensuing ulm drive chandler rogers throws a pick Um, And I think that took all the wind out of their sails. As you mentioned, it was 31-7, to I believe. Yeah, I'm checking your numbers, 31-7 in the second half. That's just absolutely obscene, uh, how that differential. Um, Army scored on each of their six last drives, which were all of their drives in the second half, Um, which you got to feel for ULM. I mean, if a team is working that efficiently offensively, there's not much you can do. But they didn't put uh, put up much of a fight.
1: No, definitely not. Um, you know, when your leading receiver is a or your leading rusher rather is a wide receiver uh, named Bugs Mortimer. All the all the way. By the way, ULM's got an all time all time receiving core name collection with Boogie Knight and Bugs Mortimer. Um, Bugs Mortimer doesn't sound like a real person. He sounds like someone in a Snidely Whiplash cartoon. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, I got to talk about something because UL Monroe's performance was ugly. Uh, like you said, Chandler Rogers threw that pick that really just kind of sent ULM spiraling. He finished with 164 yards and two touchdowns with that interception. Um, yeah, I mean, it just, Army just absolutely dominated the second half ran for 441 yards uh, as a team, ran for seven and a, 7.1 yards per carry. I mean, ULM just how, – how does ULM do this, turn in this performance? And then the last two weeks, they're in one-score games with Coastal and South Alabama. Like, I don't feel like Army is head and shoulders better than those two teams.
0: You no, know? they're not. But you get, you get to say, oh, it's just Army. I agree with you that this is a weird performance, especially after the weeks they've had against South Alabama, against Coastal, again, after, you know, what is this, five weeks removed now from a win over Louisiana. I'm okay sweeping this, maybe not sweeping it all the way under the rug, but, you know, putting us, a light cloth over it and saying, ah, it's just Army. If ULM comes back out next week and they are playing uh, Texas State, or I guess it's not this upcoming, but the following week they have a bye. If you come out and do this again against Texas State, now all of these questions of reminiscing on the 0-10 season come back. But I'm okay pushing this aside for a little bit because it's Army.
1: Well, keep in mind before this, uh, Army had dropped a 10-point game in the season opener to Coastal and then set by lost by 17 to Georgia State at at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get Troy in two weeks, so we'll see how that that Trojans defense meshes with this triple option, you know, flexbone ish style attack. But yeah, like I said, just an ugly it, it's an ugly performance for ULM, um, and there's really no other way to say it. But ULM drops to two and six with this loss. Uh, Army improves to three and four uh, overall. Uh, Let's get into the next game here. Marshall beat James Madison 26 to 12. Uh, I saw this score. It was 16 to 12 Marshall. I think it was in the third quarter. And I, I I pretty much posted it on Twitter and was like, what's what's going on here. And someone said, Centeno was out with an undisclosed injury. Mm -hmm. Um, No one knows as far as I've read. I haven't really checked up on it since that happened. But James Madison's offense went from one of the best in all of FBS football to looking like absolute garbage in this game. Uh, I mean, they had 247 yards of offense. They had five turnovers. Uh, That rushing defense that was one of the best in the country absolutely got shredded by Kalen Laybourne. Um, who had 151 yards? I don't think they had given up 151 yards rushing combined in their previous like two three games. So, yeah, I, I get that you didn't have Centeo, but I guess this just shows, like, man, if something happens to Centeo, like James Madison might not win another game.
0: Uh, yeah, I uh, they are really banking on Centeo coming back, um to anyone who says that the quarterback is not the most important position in all of sports, I would point you to this game because as you mentioned, the defense kind of fell apart, but offensively cannot pass the ball, cannot run the ball and get this seven sacks. Yeah. So even the offensive line is falling apart. Yep. Uh, I mean, feel bad for Billy Atkins. Cause that's going to be the last college football game he ever plays. Um, but it's just goes to show you how crucial a good quarterback is to good teams. And, uh, you know, you really hope Santeo comes back, um, before these in-conference losses start piling up.
1: The other thing too, is like, I don't know if it is the last game that Billy Atkins is going to play. And I say that because Atkins is a freshman and Santeo is listed as a senior. Now I don't, I don't know how how another year of eligibility would work with the COVID stuff, but if he moves on, Atkins, if they don't get another transfer in like they did with Centeao to take over as quarterback next year, this could be what the future of James Madison football is, <laughs> which is really tough to say because like you said, I mean, the guy threw four interceptions, completed less than half of his passes, uh, like you said, got sacked seven, seven times. Is that mm-hmm. it? Yes. Yeah, seven
0: yeah, seven times.
1: Um, I feel like the principal in, in Ferris Bueller seven times. Um, yeah. but, but, and, and the, the funny thing was it was all Kaylin Leiborne because Cam Fancher on the other side wasn't much better. He just turned the ball over half as much instead of, you know, four times. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a good win for Marshall. If you told me Centeo wasn't playing like a week out from the game, um, I probably would have not picked James Madison to win either because I don't, I didn't know anything about Billy Atkins and it's probably best if it had stayed that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, good win for Marshall. Uh, with this win, Marshall moves to four and three. And one and two in conference play. James Madison drops to five and two, and three and two in conference play. Uh, If Centeno doesn't play this, let's see who do they get next.
0: They have a bye Um, next week, I believe. Okay.
1: If he's not back in time for the Old Dominion game, they could drop like a rock, having been, you know, the clear one in the conference. Heading into that Georgia Southern game, they could be looking at, you know, close to a 500 season if Centeno is not not good to go because you can sit him for the Louisville game that they have next and mm-hmm. get away with it. But when you start getting back into conference stuff, the 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 four interception, seven sack performances just aren't going to cut it. Um, so getting into the game that I watched the most of this weekend, uh, Georgia Southern traveled to Norfolk. Uh, Virginia and took on Old Dominion, Georgia Southern pulled out the 28-23 win. This was was not the game plan strategy that I was expecting to see out of Georgia Southern. Um, Mm -hmm. And I say that because Old Dominion coming into this game had one of the worst pass defenses in the country, and Georgia Southern just opted to run the ball 50 times as a team. So... uh, you know, it definitely worked. However, early on in the game when Georgia Southern was running the ball nonstop on the first two drives and didn't come away with any points, I said, I really hope our offensive coordinator is just not outsmarting himself uh, with this. But another key to this game and why Old Dominion, a part, a big part of why they lost, is their kicker, uh, Ethan Sanchez, missed field goals of, I believe it was 24 yards and 18 yards. Just missed them.
0: That's and they were like
1: <laughs> – the 18-yard one was like an extra point that was like slightly on the left hash, and he just absolutely hooked it and like was never
0: close. Um so Southern opened the game with a missed field goal too. Am I wrong?
1: No, you're right. Um Yeah, they missed, they missed a field goal in the first drive maybe. Um And then neither team really did much like in the first quarter. I mean – Georgia Southern put some points up. Ethan Sanchez hit hit his first. Okay, again, this guy missed field goals of twenty four and eighteen, but he booted a forty four yarder. So tell me if that how that makes sense. Um, and then he kicks that ball. Amari Jones scores on a pass from Vantriest in the first quarter at seven to three. I thought this game was going to be an absolute shootout going in, and it just turned out that Southern was fine running the ball. And just chilling out, and uh, Old Dominion couldn't score in the red zone. So when you have those two elements, and then you have a kicker who can't make like easy layup kicks, it's going to be a long day for the Monarchs.
0: My uh, my question for you, Brian, was: is was this a game in which Old Dominion was really just putting uh, four or five guys in the box and dropping everyone else, and then yeah. the Eagles were picking that apart?
1: Or yeah I mean it, it seemed the like back. they had a it seemed like they had a read at the line that was like they had two plays and the first play was a called run and it was like if van came up to the line and saw six guys seven guys in the box he would audible out mm-hmm. but that didn't happen very much. I guess Old Dominion watched game film of Georgia Southern UAB from earlier this season because the way that UAB gave Georgia Southern so many issues on defenses, is, they would regularly drop like seven or eight guys into coverage and just and just basically beg Beatrice to throw the ball and it didn't work in that game. Now, the one thing they didn't do, Georgia Southern in that game is run the ball effectively. Mm-hmm. and in this one, you know, Georgia Southern uh had two rushers almost get a hundred yards each between white and green. uh and the other funny thing was Blake Watson the first couple drives for old dominion looked unstoppable. And then he just kind of (laughs) stopped producing yardage. Like he had a long 47 yard run. And then the rest of the game, he had like 15 carries for 60 yards, which is fine. But he went like nuclear last week when they played coastal Carolina. So it was just a, it, it was a bad offensive performance truly from old dominion. Like the stats, if you just look at Hayden Wolf and Blake Watson, you're like, wow, they played pretty well. They couldn't do anything in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Like they, they just didn't have. There was like no creativity. And it, when they did kick it, it was like a coin flip whether Sanchez was going to make it or not. Um, yeah. And then couple that with Ali Jennings the third. Every time he got up, he looked like he was hurt. I don't know what's up with. I don't know if something was up with his ankle or what, but he looked like he was limping like constantly throughout the game.
0: Yeah. Well I'm curious so now having seen this performance do you anticipate Southern running the ball making that offensive uh, pass run split a little more even because 27 passes from Ventrice the second lowest this season was 39 so do you anticipate them finding some spot in the low 30s and then you know 30 some odd rushes Moving forward, or is this an anomaly?
1: Well, I hope this is a sign that basically Southern will just be able to take whatever the defense is giving them Mm -hmm. and not feel as though they absolutely have to throw the ball, even when something like this happens, when the other team is just dropping a ton of guys into coverage, you know? Yeah. So if, if we get to a game later this season, say, like, Louisiana or Marshall or South Al or whoever and they decide to do the same thing I I I do I just like the idea that they can eat it's like pick your poison like you can either drop all these guys in coverage and then Gerald Green can can take 30 carries if he needs to or you know you do what James Madison did and you rush you know five plus guys almost every time and you just get smoked by these like quick little breaking routes that you can't cover because you're rushing so many guys. So yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's more just a sign of encouragement plus the defense. I mean, probably played its best game of the season. I would say Mm -hmm. Um, just because the, the yardage wasn't pretty, but they weren't, like I said, they, they were starting, starting to get kind of stacked up in the red zone and wouldn't let old dominion get in you know, and score a touchdown. So yeah, I, I think it was a complete, you know, team performance. And, uh, and I, I liked everything I saw out of Georgia Southern, but yeah. uh, with this win, Georgia Southern moves to five and three and two and two in conference play old dominion drops to three and four uh, two and one in conference play um, last note on this game, uh, tough break for the old dominion fans who weren't happy uh, with me on Twitter before the season, who thought that Georgia Southern was going to get smoked by the Monarchs uh, when they <laughs> played head to head? Getting into the next game here, uh, Louisiana easily took care of business at home uh, against Arkansas State, winning thirty-eight to thirteen. Zeke, they, they, the Cajuns may have found something uh, here the last couple weeks because they yeah. have looked so much better since that those losses to UO and Rowan South AL in the last two weeks against Marshall and Arkansas State they don't seem like a dead dog essentially on offense anymore woldridge played well in this game throwing five touchdowns um arkansas state was without you know james blackman so that helps but i mean anytime you're putting up 35 plus in a game your offense is doing something right
0: yeah, I mean, as soon as they switched over full-time to Woolridge, they're, they're rolling. My one note on this game is, is Louisiana back? Because now you've beaten Marshall and you've beaten Arkansas State uh, within consecutive weeks, and I think that's, uh, that's huge for them. Uh, good to see the offense actually starting to click. Um, obviously, we all know of the ceiling of this Arkansas State offense, given how they like to play football. Um, you know, they just love to score a hundred points, but then allow 110. Um, <laughs> so I, it was really good and refreshing to see Louisiana actually come out here and say, Hey, we're not done. Um, a big takeaway from this is that Arkansas state did try to run the ball. They, they, they had 21 carries. Although as you've said, uh, before and I'll reiterate, I mean, ESPN counts quarterback sacks as a rush. So I don't know how that plays into this, but they ran the ball 21 times, which feels very high for that team.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think if you don't have James Blackman back there, you at least have to tr- entertain the thought of running the football. Um, mm-hmm. And the crazy thing is to AJ Mayer or Meyer, I don't know how it's pronounced. Uh, he, even having been a fill in still threw the ball 23 times, which seems high. Um, I, I don't know, man. Like I said, they entertain the thought of running the ball, but you know, you take out the one sack on Jake Jackson Daily that they included. They had twenty carries for let's see, eighty six yards. It's you are not setting the world on fire if you are the Red Wolves. Yeah. So, um, you know, you couple that with not being able to stop anything you can't stop a runny nose in the pass game uh, when you are. Arkansas State, it's going to be a long – it's been two long seasons for them because they just can't – they have nothing on defense, you know. it's This has been the case since uh, Butch Jones took over. And like I said, maybe DeSormo's maybe got some things figured out on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe he's – maybe it took him a little bit to find out kind of, you know, who was the best personnel to couple and package together, but they've looked a lot better as of late than they did, you know, earlier. They're not totally dead in the West, but they do need both. They they need South Alabama to lose three conference games. Yep. Which I mean, one down, two to go, I guess. And then they have to beat Troy later this season. So they're not totally dead, but also their their destiny is not in their own hands. So we'll we'll have to see how that all plays out. Um. But yeah, uh, Jacob Bernard played pretty well uh, for Louisiana through the passing game. Five catches, ninety-seven yards on a touchdown. Uh, they had another guy, Dante Fleming, six catches, eighty-one yards, two scores. Yeah, Wooldridge just absolutely carved up the Red Wolves here. Yeah. Um So in the win, uh, the Cajuns moved to four and three in conference play. Or sorry, four and three overall, two and two in conference play. Arkansas State drops to two and six, one and four in the Sun Belt. Uh, getting into the last game of the night here, Southern Miss uh, defeated Texas State twenty to fourteen. It came down to the wire as uh, Zach Wilkie threw a fifty-three yard touchdown pass to Chandler Pittman with just thirty-two seconds to go uh, to basically, you know, pull the the rabbit out of the hat, so to speak. Um, Texas State. This was a, a, a an ugly offensive performance. I know I feel like I'm saying that a lot, but there were a lot of really bad offenses this past weekend. Um I mean, again, they factor in the sacks, but ESPN has the the Bobcats as 20 carries for negative six yards. Yikes. So even if you don't factor the sacks in, they had 11 carries for six yards as a yep. team.
0: Wolf. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> I, I feel like I've been saying this about one team a week at this point is, I mean, Southern Miss threw two picks, and Texas State could do nothing with it, you know? And that is – I mean, that's indicative of just being a really poor football team. Um, Southern Miss threw a pick. Next drive, Texas State, turnover on downs. Uh, Couldn't convert a 4-1. and And then on the second uh, interception from Zach Wilkie, same thing. Texas State couldn't convert a 4-1. and Uh, So first of all, sounds like they need to find just a really big power back you know, find the heaviest guy on campus and sign him to the football team if you're Texas State, but uh, that inability to convert off of turnovers is going to lose you football games and that's what happened against Southern Miss.
1: Yeah, I mean Southern Miss was obviously better, uh but you know, statistically no no nobody really jumps off the page. Like Frank Gore Jr. was okay. 20 carries for 91. Uh you know, Pittman, Chandler Pittman, their receiver mm-hmm. that caught the, the eventual game winning touchdown was actually their leading receiver for the day with fifty-three yards on just that one catch. Um like I said, you know, Southern Miss, you you touched on this. They turned the ball over three times, Texas State Nada on offense, basically. Um yeah, I Texas State is a weird team. They seem to waver between one week and it feels like their offense can't do anything. And then the next time it's like, Oh, their defense is terrible now all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. So I just don't, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand what's happening with that team. I thought we had kind of turned a corner a little bit and then they're in prime position to win this game. And, you know, Chandler Pittman just goes up and grabs a ball and scores pretty much on his own volition because it wasn't like it was a Hail Mary it was like a slant that yeah. got caught and and took it to the house and Texas State Texas State just can't can't get out of their own way either which is the tough part it's not as if they're you know they have a winnable game against Troy they had, this was a winnable game i mean they had it in the bag really the only conference game they've been absolutely outclassed was when they played James Madison like 4 weeks ago but yeah. they beat App State I don't know, man, they they've looked better overall, but they just they don't have like that killer instinct, which is going to be tough for them moving forward, even though they have played a little better. Um, so with that, Southern Miss uh, improves to four and three overall and two and one in conference play. Texas State drops to three and five and one and three in the Sun Belt. So let's get into next week's games. Uh Louisiana on Thursday is going to travel to Hattiesburg to take on Southern Miss. Zeke, the people who make lines in Vegas are a curious bunch because Southern Miss is a one-point favorite at home. Louisiana is coming off of a pair of impressive wins against Marshall and Arkansas State. They're... Your intuition would would point you towards Louisiana obviously being the favorite based on the way that these teams have played the last two weeks. So why is Southern Miss
0: a one-point favorite at home? So uh I honestly couldn't even tell you. Uh my understanding is that Vegas does give the home team they always get a one and a half point bump for being a home team, you know? So I guess the true odds are that Louisiana are a half-point favorite. But even that feels obscenely close. I, I don't think it'll be a route by any means, but Louisiana, as we've seen now, they're starting to play for real football. They're starting to play like the occasions we saw you know, in 2020, in 2021. Uh, those Billy Napier teams, it, not playing like them, but performing to that level. Whereas Southern Miss, I know they've beat Texas State. I know they beat Arkansas State. Southern Miss isn't isn't good enough to beat Louisiana, especially how they're playing right now. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm sure they've got some golden nugget where Southern Miss is undefeated against Louisiana at home, you know in the last week of October, some like garbage Vegas stat like that. but Louisiana has no business being underdogs here.
1: No, I agree. There's no reason for it. The only uh, the only reason I can come up with is that Southern Miss is going to trap Louisiana in this game because it's not as if it's not as if Louisiana is the favorite and Southern Miss is like plus two at home or mm-hmm. something. This is Southern Miss is a favorite, so basically Vegas is just saying we think Southern Miss wins this game because it's essentially a pick'em at this point. Um. I don't know, man. I, I I said this last week with Old Dominion going into the Southern game. I'm going to say it this week with Southern Miss. What they've done on offense, I feel like, is not sustainable to win games. Mm-hmm. They, their last three games, they've played Troy. They scored 10 points in a loss. They played Arkansas State. They scored 20 points in a win. They played Texas State last week. They scored 20 points. Basically, they have trouble scoring over three touchdowns in a game. And we just saw Louisiana get light them up, light uh, Arkansas State up with Ben Woldridge. I'm going to take Louisiana. I think they win this game. Um, I just don't see why. I, I don't understand Southern Miss being a favorite, even though it's at home. Southern Miss has won their last two. I just, Louisiana has looked like they've started to put it together. It, maybe the train comes off the tracks for the Cajuns in this one. But I don't. I don't know, man. I just don't see it.
0: I don't see it either. And to your point, you mentioned Southern Miss having difficulty scoring more than three touchdowns. Uh, all season, uh, they've only had one game in which they scored more than three touchdowns, and that was beating Northwestern State 64-10. to 10. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that, uh, that offense, I mean, just, you know, given numbers to what you said, I mean, this offense is just incredibly, incredibly poor and has just come up against two equally mediocre opponents.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess the the credit that I can give them is that their defense has been pretty good uh, at keeping opponents off of the scoreboard there. Southern Miss is only allowing 22 points a game. Uh, however, Louisiana is only allowing 19, and if Southern Miss can only score 20 a game, I feel like if Louisiana hits three touchdowns, this game might be over. <laughs> yeah,
0: 21 is um, the magic number.
1: Yeah. So uh, getting into Saturday, 3 o'clock, Old Dominion will travel to Atlanta uh, to take on Georgia State. Uh, Georgia State is a four-point favorite at home, over under 55 and a 55.5. Both of these teams licking their wounds, um, coming off of two losses here. I want to take Georgia State. I'm going to preface it. I'm going to say I want to take Georgia State. However, I do not like the Jekyll and Hyde act that Darren Granger pulls. Um, I, I think Georgia State will be able to run the ball with Granger and Greg. My only thing is, are they going to do what they did last week Against at where they all of a sudden they decide we're not going to run the ball anymore we're going to let Darren Granger's arm win this game for us because if that's the case then I'll take Old Dominion so I'll take Old Dominion plus four um like I said I just I really don't like <laughs> I don't like a I can't put any trust into a quarterback like Granger where he's gonna he's gonna one week look fantastic and throw for two hundred and eighty yards and the next week he's gonna go nine for twenty three for fifty three. So I just – I can't believe in someone like that.
0: No, I get that. Um, But my point to that would be that Granger does perform at least a little more consistently at home. Uh, His his worst home for performance this season uh, was 186 yards. He did that against both North Carolina and uh, Southern. They lost the UNC game, beat Southern, of course. Um, So I I get what you're saying. I think this game is like – crucial for the Panthers uh because if you go down two and six um there's really no chance looking ahead to the rest of the schedule there's not really a chance that they finish six and six so you've got to delay that six loss loss for as long as possible um I think at home Georgia State wins this one probably by seven so I'd take the spread as well
1: I think it, it it's it's crucial for Georgia State to make a bowl. However, it's crucial for Old Dominion if they want to make a run at the Sunbelt title game. Because as of today, they have the tiebreaker win over Coastal. They're both 2-1 and one in the conference. But if they drop another Sunbelt game, they're probably done for. And that win against the Chance is all for naught at that point. So... They, I mean, I, no pressure, Old mean you got to run the table, essentially, in the conference and beat, you know, your next five opponents in a row. I don't see it happening. But if you drop this game, your season's just about
0: over. Well, um, mind you, uh, those next five opponents, it's Georgia State, and then Marshall, but then you've got JMU, App State, South Alabama. So obviously, you're not anticipating to lose those games, but... Um, I think old dominion is really only in contention for the East by mathematics. I, I don't think realistically old dominion is a team capable of uh, winning those all five of those games. Even four of them feels like a stretch.
1: No, I, I mean, I agree with that, but if you want to keep sort of hope alive, you have to take care of Georgia state on the road.
0: Yeah. Um, within the program, you're not saying, ah, but it doesn't matter. Cause we're going to lose to James Madison. I, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Um,
1: but I'll take old Dominion. I'm sure I'm sure, you know, Darren Granger's gonna cut it on and be a, an acceptable quarterback again with mm-hmm. me saying that. But I I just can't like I said, I just can't trust a guy who, no, who played like he did against App last week. Ridiculous um, valid. Yeah. Uh getting into this next game, this should be a pretty open and shut case. Uh 330, Robert Morris. Uh who is, I believe, an FCS team. Yeah, an 0-7 FCS team is traveling to Boone to take on App State. Uh, They're just going to get fed to the Mountaineers here. Uh, There's no betting lines because it's an FCS-FBS matchup. Uh, App State's going to roll. I wouldn't be surprised if they ran for 600 yards in this game. Um, You know, Chase Bryce will get to have a, have his second game in a row where he pretty much just pulls up a lawn chair and drinks a Mai Tai. while uh, mm-hmm. you know, Nate Noel and Cameron peoples kind of carry the team.
0: My big question about this game, how much is Robert Morris getting paid? Cause that's the only thing up in the air about this game right now. I mean, I can try to find it. If you can try to find it, hats off because like you said, Oh, and seven at the FCS, uh, app state beat the Citadel, uh, another FCS school earlier this year, 49, nothing. And, uh, so i think forty nine nothing is really that bar that uh they're gonna be aiming for is their magic number today?
1: yeah, I can't I'm looking I can't find everything you know I typed in like contract payout, and everything I see is well. like. how much it costs to go to school at Robert Morris. Um, But yeah, I I don't think this is going to be difficult. I think the Mountaineers are obviously going to roll in this one. Like I said, they, they do what they do best, which is take the ball out of chase Bryce's hands and just run the ball a bunch and play some defense. Yeah. Um, So getting into our next game here, South Al uh, at four o'clock on ESPNU is going to travel to Jonesboro to take on the red wolves of Arkansas state. South Al's a 12 and a half point favorite. Over/unders a a half. You got to think South Alabama is going to be out for blood in this game. The way that they're going to be angry. The way that they played against Troy, just scoring six points. Arkansas State, if they don't have James Blackman, I'm going to be monitoring this. I, if if they don't have James Blackman, I'm hammering South Alabama minus twelve and a half. Uh, they proved last week against Louisiana. If they don't have James Blackman playing quarterback, Arkansas State flat can't move the ball because. They can't run it even when he plays,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: they can't throw it if he if he doesn't play. So they might be in in some serious trouble here. I think South Alabama rolls in this one.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I think I think I'm with you. Even with Blackman, like you said, this offense just isn't going to be able to surmount a South Alabama team that after dropping only six against Troy is going to want to absolutely exploit this Arkansas uh, Arkansas State team. So, uh, I mean, USA is going to come out with a, a huge, huge vengeance and I think going to put up, I feel confident saying they're going to score 21 first-half points um, and then just whatever number you want to etch in for Arkansas State feels appropriate.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't think, I think this is, <laughs> I don't know at what point, you know, I know it's only, we're going on year two and we're almost done with year two, but I I'm, I'm wondering how much longer, if this keeps up, butch Jones gets in uh, Jonesboro. I mean, I know the town's named after him and all, but still, <laughs> uh, you know, Blake Anderson had some really good years when he was Arkansas state's coach. I mean, they were a contender in the West for a long time. However, I I just wonder, cause they're not like, Texas state where I don't get the vibe that anybody really cares. Uh, I think people in Jonesboro want to root for a winning football team. So I am just wondering how much longer they're putting up with the Butch Jones experience before they sort of are just, they're just going to pull the rip cord and pay him whatever to go away. Um,
0: yeah, I'm interested to see
1: how much long that lasts
0: before Blake Anderson. And I'll concede right now. I didn't know this before looking it up. But uh, before Blake Anderson, um, Arkansas State had three head coaches in three years. Gus Malzon, Brian Harson, and Hugh Freeze. Uh, and those guys only lasted one year, but not because they were fired or performing poorly. They obviously went Malzon to Auburn. Um, Harson went to Boise State, now at Auburn. And then Hugh Freeze made his stop at Ole Miss. So we haven't seen... A, a coach get a quick boot out of Arkansas State. Frankly, ever looking back, I mean, as back as nineteen ninety three, you've got coaches that are staying minimum three four years, uh, as as the very very bottom. So I'm curious, um what Arkansas State does with B- Butch Jones moving forward, because they do not have yeah. a history of bouncing guys quick.
1: No, I mean they they're one more loss away from being two years removed from making the bowl game. Mm-hmm. Um, which I feel like, at minimum, when you're in Arkansas State, the goal should be to make a bowl game. And they're they're not only not making bowl games, a lot of these conference games they're playing, they're just not competitive, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw it last week when they played. I know James Blackman didn't play against uh, Louisiana, but they, they really weren't in that game at any point. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes. I'm of the opinion, and I think I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I'm of the opinion Butch Jones has gotten a lot of money and gotten paid by a lot of schools for being right place, right time at Cincinnati and Mm -hmm. basically just following up and using what Brian Kelly already had installed there. And everybody looked at him and was like, hey, this guy's a Tennessee Volunteers future head coach. And in reality, we know he wasn't, you know. So now, now I'm like, I don't even think he's an Arkansas State qualified head coach. I think he should be full-time member of Saban's, you know, endless support staff of, you know, the, the school for coaches who don't coach good, um, essentially. So we'll see how that goes, but yeah, I I just don't see them tolerating this, this type of losing much longer. Um, getting into this next game, uh, the last game of the night, seven o'clock on NFL network, coastal Carolina is going to travel to Huntington, West Virginia to take on Marshall. Uh, Marshall is a two-point favorite at home. Um, the over-under is 55.5. I think that Marshall honestly wins this game. Um, Coastal Carolina's run defense, we saw it a couple weeks ago with Blake Watson, leaves a lot, a lot, a lot to be desired. Mm-hmm. Um and they have Kalen Laybourne, who I am just going to go ahead and say, I think he's the best singular running back in the conference at this point. Um, because even you look at some of the other premier backs, like, you know, App State, okay, one but one week it's Noel and one week it's Peoples. So you can't mm-hmm. say like, oh, one guy's getting all the volume. So as it was with Machine Ali last year at Marshall, I think that they have, once again, the best running back in the conference. The guy has – we're seven games in the season. The guy's already passed a 1,000 yards rushing and has 12 touchdowns. So I think they're just going to absolutely gash Coastal Carolina's run defense. And Jamie Chadwell does this thing where if they're in a game where they absolutely need points, that he will not most of the time put the ball in the hands of Grayson McCall. He'll still try to run the football even if it's not working. And Marshall statistically has one of the best run defenses in the country. They're, they're allowing just 78 yards total, you know, on average per game. And, and they, they have one of the top total defenses in the country, too, 284 yards allowed per game. Yeah. I'm taking Marshall at home, man.
0: I like Marshall to win here too. Uh, but I'm curious if it's right to open with Marshall as a Vegas favorite. Even though we're in agreement here that Marshall will prop could end up winning this one, I uh, I think Coastal should come into this game as favorites. I know last week they lost to Old Dominion in a embarrassing-ish fashion. Um, or I guess it was two weeks ago at this point. No. Uh and Marshall just toppled what we thought was the you know, the cream of the crop in the sun belt. But I I just like something doesn't sit right with me saying Marshall's a favorite here, even though you and I will both take Marshall. It, that, that that doesn't feel right to me.
1: It doesn't to me either. But like I said, when when you look at how what what coastals run defense allowed Watson to do two weeks ago, combined with how good Laybourne is, combined like I said with the fact that Chadwell won't just open it up and and do the the Georgia Southern type of thing where they, he just lets McCall throw the ball 65 times in a game where they need to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So his reluctance to do that is really what more points me toward Marshall plus Marshall's defenses head and shoulders better than coastal's is. So I would not have said this preseason, but, but I'm going to take Marshall uh, here because I just think their running game is going to be too much for Coastal to handle. To be totally honest, yeah. Um, so as we sort of wrap up here, any any sort of final thoughts? And and tell me what game you know you're looking forward to this weekend, Zeke.
0: You know, no real final thoughts. Um, I think as we just talked about, Coastal Marshall um, might be my pick here. Either that, and then obviously watching on. Thursday, we'll be watching Louisiana Southern, Miss. Um, just because that's a Thursday game. But I think Coastal Marshall is going to be that game because it's going to be like, hey, Coastal, are you guys, um, at six and one, three and one? Are you guys fraudulent here? Are you able to, uh, you know, beat a four and three, one and two Marshall? And then for Marshall, as you said, they just match up really, really well for Coastal. So uh, I I know we just spoke for a few minutes about that game, but uh, that'll probably be my uh, my pick for game of the week. How about you, Brian?
1: Yeah, I'm actually going to go with Old Dominion-Georgia State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of made the case for it a little earlier. I think Old Dominion, you know, neither of us are, have been overwhelmingly on Old Dominion as being like a, a great Sunbelt team. Mm-hmm. But after that win against Coastal, they are technically still in the driver's seat in the East. So what are what are the Monarchs going to do with that? Are they going to, you know, fold – and let you know get beat by georgia state and then it's all going to be a moot point at that point and and like you said on the other side is georgia state gonna kill any chance they have of making a bowl um you know i i thought about this the other day when i saw the charlotte coach got fired charlotte was one in seven their only win was against georgia state in week three so yeah i I think this is an interesting, this is going to kind of be, a, a, I guess, a litmus test for both these teams to see, you know, who wants to be here <laughs> when, it, when it's all said and done. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, we'll have to see how that one kind of plays out. Zeke, as we sort of wrap up here, uh, tell the folks where they can find you on social media.
0: I am on Twitter at Zeke Palermo, Z-E-K-E-P-A-L-E-R-M-O uh that's where we put uh i'll post about the podcast i'll post about my georgia state and uh, sunbelt thoughts as well as just other uh sports stuff going on recently I put up my tier list for the uh, i don't know if you keep in touch brian with the nhl uh they released their second wave of reverse retro jerseys some of those are absolutely bangers uh i rank those on my twitter how about you brian what do you what are you putting on social media and uh where can they find you
1: yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at watch the stone. Um uh, I'm going to be honest, I'm not putting a lot on social media. This is Georgia <laughs> Southern's first off week in 7 weeks. Um so I don't have to write a blog. <laughs> you know, yep. I don't have to write a preview, I don't have to write a recap. I can pretty much just sit back and sort of watch like I said, the the Old Dominion, Georgia State, or Coastal Marshall games. I'm probably going to be paying very close attention. I think the Coastal Marshall. I think that's got the the makings of an interesting game, especially later on in the night. Um, but yeah, that's that's sort of what I'm you know looking for this coming Saturday. And uh, this has been another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sun Belt Podcast.